Welcome to Blitzcast, the NFL Draft Podcast. Welcome into another episode of Blitzcast. Golly, we're picking up the numbers right now. This is number 236 of Blitzcast, and I've got a really special guest coming on the show, joining us today. I'm very grateful for it, and it is none other than the man himself, Eric Froton of NBC Sports, the lead draft analyst over there, and... He does a great job with a lot of the work that he does. He's more of a fantasy guy traditionally, but that's okay. We love him. We like the stuff that he has to do. So without any further ado, there's no point in holding this back anymore. This is this man is on a tangent today. It's Eric Froton. So obviously you're in a little bit of a different space than I am, right? And I think that's it, it's positive for this type of interaction. You're on the fantasy side of things, man. And so because you're on the fantasy side, you're going to see things a little bit differently than I do, right? You're looking at production. You're looking at those different things. You're really good at projecting. That's what you do. That's your game. You project each week. You kill fantasy leagues, especially college football fantasy, but, you know, good space to be in. So you're going to – so we're, we're both going to combine next week. And yes, sir. we got a couple guys here that we're going to talk about that are going to be there. And – but first off, let's – Tell people a little bit more about NBC, NBC Sports Edge and kind of like what you do there and what your role is. Sure. Well, I am the lead college football and NFL draft analyst at NBC Sports. And uh, I've been there for this will be my fifth season. I uh, just took over that role last summer and, uh, you know, held it throughout the year and look forward to uh, a big season at NBC Sports where we just picked up the rights to the Big Ten where we'll be broadcasting the Big Ten primetime game yep. on NBC, the proper Peacock NBC network uh, this uh, this uh, this fall. So I'm really excited about that. Really been doing a lot of initiatives around that launch. Look forward to hopefully getting college fantasy football, as you mentioned, which is my passion. Uh, at least what, what brought me to the dance here and got me in the space five years ago was uh, was that that passion where this will be my 23rd year doing college fantasy football uh, through that. Obviously I, I do, uh, you know, a lot more than just that analysis. I, for the past four seasons have, uh, have laid over 1200 recommendations for college football player prop bets, which have really grown in terms of, uh, you know, popularity in the past couple of years specifically, and even into this season, because more and more States are allowing uh, legalized betting, to happen through apps on kiosks on site, you know, brick and mortar locations in state by state. It seems like every time one state in a, in a certain cluster gets it, it's just a matter of time for the next few years um, that they're going to end up having their neighbors go because they see all the revenue it's deriving. So with the boom of FanDuel of DraftKings, you know, uh, those are the two biggest bookmakers in the United States right now. And they're just yep. in a market war. Uh, I've, it's really been a nice niche and I've been able to carve out and I, you know, year one hit 69% year two seventy one, And this year, 68% of my recommendations. And that's, uh, you know, I, that's really what, in terms of where I've carved out a niche, it's, uh, it's determining collegiate player performance and uh, and team performance, you know, at the collegiate level on a week to week basis. Yeah, and that's and like you said, that's that's a space that's grown a lot here recently. I still can't do it in Tennessee. I can bet, 
on games, but mm. I can't bet on individual college player props due to the state laws here. Um, but no, that is one that is expanding. There's a lot of different people that are getting into it. A lot of states are starting to allow it. A lot of states allowed it initially, and it was like back when NIL still was a problem that was somehow factored Absolutely. into NIL. Mm-hmm. And so, because I remember like you used to be able to use DraftKings and do the college football. This was, you know, like the, the fantasy lineups. You used to be able to do that back. This goes back to like 2016, 2015. And then there was a law that came through Tennessee to shut that down. We couldn't do college sports and we still can't up to this day. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that changes this year. It's just funny because you mentioned, hey, we got the Big Ten rights this year, which you do, which congrats. Like, that's awesome. It's a total, like, opens the door for you to be able to bring more exclusive coverage and all that different stuff uh, to everybody from the Big Ten players. It's just funny that, you know, we ended up picking two guys that are former Big 12 players that went SEC. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. Well, you know, it's uh, it's a new acquisition for NBC. We haven't broadcast any of those games yet. So So, uh... so what you're saying is next next time when you next time I have you on the show, it's going to be you're going to be like it's going to be Big Ten. It's going to be Big Ten heavy. Yeah, I'm going to be going uh, if I hopefully get what I, uh, you know, have uh, have laid out for a content plan. Hopefully I'll be at some of those camps summer camps this year and i'll have a leg up heading into the season in terms of having gotten eyes on some of my my favorite big 10 prospects and as we know john you know while the sec the sec puts the most players into the nfl draft every year it's it's statistically that's just how it is i get it they're the big dogs and that's we got to respect it and we do respect it we're picking two players who transfer to the sec however the clear number two when it comes to sending players to the draft is definitely Big the Ten. Big Ten. Year after year, that's been shown out. So, um, you know, I do I do think that uh, there is relevance there. And I'm sorry, you're right. I should have picked the Big Ten player. So what it sounds also like is uh, I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how this works is because Fox has been the traditional broadcast partner of, you know, the Big Ten and they get – their pick of the game. So does that mean that right. the game gets moved from noon to prime time? Oh, well, it actually, it cascades, right? So Fox has right of first refusal. That's, they get the one game, the, the numero uno, like you say, because they have tenure, right? Mm-hmm. And then at, so that's the noon game, I believe generally. And then the 3.30 is the next time slot that moves into CBS and it's like, I think it's either a rotation or they get the number two spot and it rotates between. And it's because and CBS has lost two and the three. SEC rights to ESPN. And that won't be, no, that, as far as I'm tracking, it's not going to be on there any longer. I believe so. Well, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. And and once NBC only had, uh, you know, Notre Dame forever. And that's just a team. So it's not like that's you know, enough to really have to warrant widespread coverage from a college football, you know, itself perspective. But now with the Big Ten, like, all right, now it's time to get out there and see some of these teams. And and uh, the fact that it's prime time, the fact that, you know, we're penetrating an already established marketplace where, as you know, you know, college football Saturdays, there's football going on at, at that eight o'clock Eastern time time slot. There's roughly seven other games going on. You know what I mean? So um, just getting to uh, have some input uh, about how we can be different and differentiate ourselves because, you know, keep in mind, NBC last year, they uh, went out and and after many years of being the the standard bearer for ESPN, Matthew Barry, 
he came into NBC Sports in the fold in August, and promptly they put Matthew Berry on the Sunday night broadcast, the football yep. night in America. You know, there's one game. It's the Sunday night game, and having NFL fantasy and even NFL props by proxy, you know, he gave it a prop play every time he was out there. Yep. Having, you know, uh, that sort of an awareness, having a network be the forerunners in that space where you didn't see ESPN talking about it. They were straight. They didn't have any fantasy. You know, they might have had a, a ticker on there, of course, but they didn't have, um, you know, Matthew Berry on their ESPN telecast. They had him <laughs> in the morning. So um, this, it really was a first and hopefully. That'll you know, be something uh, that you guys continue on the college side. That's exactly what I'm hoping is, is they see the value in how they, they positioned, um, you know, fantasy football on a pro level when you have one game, but now we have seven other games going on. What is going to differentiate us? What is going to, you know, catch eyes. And I would love to have it be something college football fantasy related. So, um, did I ever tell you my Matthew Berry story from the combine? No, no, but I did talk to him last year. He so, was very nice. Very so we're sitting, so I'm sitting at this bar. I think it was at the, uh, it was probably at the Renaissance hotel. And I'm sitting there. Of course, it was at the Renaissance. Yeah, I spent so much time there last year. I really (laughs) did. I mean, that was where everybody was, man. Everybody was in that hotel. And I just stayed there basically like in the bar downstairs and just talked to whoever came down. I ran into some I I ran into one of your co-workers over there. had a really nice conversation with him, Chris Sims. Chris Sims, absolutely, really like Chris. very, very nice guy. You know, After at, like I didn't, I didn't appreciate him until I met him, and then I was like, no, this guy, he's legit. Like, he's legit. He's a cool dude. So, anyways, uh, so no, Matthew, he was sitting at the bar, but I couldn't place him. Like I knew that he looked familiar, and I couldn't place him. And I think I can't even remember who I who I thought he was. And I walked up and said that name whoever the, that person i thought he was and he's like oh that's not me i was like oh, i'm so sorry and it was just it was like i was awkward and all that and i kind of walked away and 15 minutes later uh i'm talking to this trainer and he comes by he comes up he goes hey he said i'm sorry i need to introduce myself. i'm matthew berry i went oh i'm so sorry i can't even remember who i was mixing them up with i was mixing them up with somebody that works at nfl.com that's who it was. I can't remember who it was that I was getting him mixed up with. Might have been Chad, who you just had on the no, show. No, it wasn't. I didn't get. No, I didn't think he was Chad. Chad. No, I didn't think he was Chad. I can't remember who it was. But yeah, no, it was like my brain was not working. And but he was so nice about it, and just coming up and, and introducing himself, you know, which that was, you know. So I, yeah, Matthew, he's a nice guy. And he did, totally did not have to do that. Absolutely. No, good, good, nice guy. And uh, it's great to have him as part of NBC. It shows that they have a commitment to, you know, one of my passions. Obviously, I love college football in general, and it's not just college fantasy or anything, you know, that uh, that is my sole interest. I, I love the draft. I love doing all this stuff. So, uh, you know, ready to dive into it and, and have a little bit of fun. I was lucky enough to go to the Shrine Bowl, you know, we'll have a player to talk about who was there, kind of a mm-hmm. deep cut. You know, and that's that's how we like in the college fantasy realm, like getting a little deeper and uh, and then obviously go with somebody who's uh, a little more polarizing, but a, a well-known figure. Yeah, we can start with the polarizing and it's been a, <laughs> it's been a career for him, you know. So cool. we're going to talk about this first player we're going to talk about today, Zach Evans. He's a running back out of Ole Miss. He transferred to Ole Miss from TCU. And just to give a little backstory, there's a lot of people, I think, that listen, that tune into college to NFL draft content and 
it's obviously that's a world within itself. Recruiting college football, recruiting is a whole nother Oof. world. It's Oof. very difficult to keep up with it all. So when Zach was coming out of high school, Zach was a number one player, uh, number one running back. He was considered a surefire first round pick three years and be gone. And he initially committed to Georgia as he's committed to Georgia. And after signing day, after signing day, yeah, he he submits a request to not <laughs> play at Georgia, be released from his national letter of intent. And it turned into a big, giant deal. Georgia eventually gave it to him in which he turned around and went to TCU and he played for two years, 13. Uh, no, sorry. Eight starts there at over two years at TCU. Then this past year, he transfers to Ole Miss. And with Lane Kiffin, Jackson Dart coming in from USC, he goes to Ole Miss and ends up starting eight games there this year. Now, he also kind of got shown up a little bit by a freshman running back that Ole Miss ran out that kind of stole the show. So we'll not worry about the freshman right now because this is NFL draft. And I, I, so I understand that. We'll not worry about him. He's a couple years away. But Zach Evans is very controversial figure because of this story. And I mean, I guess there's some parts to his game and stuff there, but let's get started on Zach. So tell me Frodo. Uh, I love calling you that. Sorry. Frodo, it's all good. With a T. I'm a Lord <laughs> of the Rings nerd. Have to. So when you, uh, when you look at this guy, what do you see? Well, first off, you know, you have, it's easy to understand why he was, as you mentioned, a five-star, a true consensus five-star running back from his 2020 class. And, uh, I mean, you see why? Six foot, 215, and there's real fluidity to his movements and the hips. And there's only so many people who can have, still be that size and be able to hit the second level and accelerate and not get gained upon, you know, by fast, obviously, defensive players. You don't see that a lot in that whole package. And he does it smoothly. Now, there obviously, there's a reason why it's polarizing. Is, is there deficiencies there? And it's like, you know, there's durability concerns. Because let's face it, he only had 146 carries. In two years at TCU, mm -hmm. you mentioned he got taken – over by Quinshawn Judkins, the 2025 running back, who will be one of the top five running backs yep. at 2025 class. He is at least in my Debbie, you know, ranking stuff like that. He's he's at worst top three right now. Um, but it wasn't just him. Keep in mind, he's at TCU, and despite being you know the the superstar running back come in and and doing well, 7.7 .7 yards per carry in his first season, he was still not able to shake a committee-type role with Kendra Miller. They would not allow – they would not bench outright Kendra Miller and just give the full job to him. And it, it speaks volumes about both players, in my opinion, because they're very similarly statured in terms of, you know, height-weight proportions. I would say that, you know, you look at both of them, like their body – incredible shape Kendra Miller is absolutely jacked and there was another guy that was in the fold there too Amari uh Amari DeMarcado DeMarcado yeah, yeah yeah like he was in the fold as well so it was really a three running back rotation there for a couple of years it truly was it truly was and they even brought like you know and then this season when Evans goes out they brought in a Louisiana transfer after Billy Napier went to Florida 
uh, and Mari Bailey, who got good favorable reports coming out of camp. So it was like, you know, they they make sure, and, and even though it's a new staff with Sonny Dykes coming in, who, as as you know, you know, following the game as close as you do, and anybody who follows college football knows, Sonny Dykes, when Sonny Dykes comes to town, he's not there to run the ball most of the time. He is there to air it out. Davis Webb at Cal. This is Cal. And they're out there slinging the ball around for Sonny Dykes. He goes over to TCU. Uh, you know, him, Rhett Lashley at OC, uh, who is now the head coach at, at SMU, and they're slinging the ball around and, you know, changed the entire culture there. Really took over for June Jones where he left off. And, um, you know, that's sort of an approach. That wasn't the case with TCU. If you look at their, you know, team metrics and per game stuff, they were excellent. They were a top 25 rushing efficiency metrics team. So, you know, while they obviously had Quentin Johnson on the outside and they had a couple of pretty good slot receivers like Darius Davis, who really who was a really good return man to Tay Barber, mm-hmm. while they're not really guys who are going to light up the NFL. Although Darius Davis did get a uh, a senior bowl invite, you know, yep. props Darius Davis or for so his return. So did Duggan. So did Duggan. So did Duggan mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, in fairness to them, you go you get to the national title game in regardless of how you fare, you get the invites. So that's, that's understandable, but um, uh, that's a system that is traditionally, you know, spread slash air rate adjacent and they're going to be slinging it around. And that's not what happened, you know? So, yeah. and that's a testament really to um, what we're talking about here with Kendra Miller and how I, I feel like the writing was on the wall for Zach Evans coming the season. He saw two years of being in that room and he realized he wasn't going to shake him. So he goes over to Ole Miss. And the point I'm getting around to is it wasn't just once where he had some, uh, you know, another talented running back in the room that he couldn't shake. This is the second time for Zach Evans. And I think, you know, deservedly. So you look at that happen and fool me once and it's a fool me twice type of thing. So uh, while there is a lot of good, you know, judging from the circumstances, it wasn't just his recruitment process. It was the process of how he, you know, went from TCU to mm-hmm. Ole Miss, and then what happened at both places. Now he looks like a guy to me that could run a sub four four. Sure, like he's got crazy Absolutely. speed. Absolutely, and the, that size. Yeah, and the size. Yeah, and the change of direction. His change of direction is ridiculous. Fluidly. I mean, just yeah, the very hits. fluid athlete, awesome athlete, accelerates, awesome. Very explosive, ridiculously explosive. He's a decent receiver. He's a pretty good route runner for a running back. He's a very good route runner, I thought. And then you can see he can hold up in pass protection. So he's got all three facets that he brings to the game. Now, my problem, my problem was you look at the 2022 season, go pull up his, well, eyes. Okay. Okay. You can say eyes a little bit. Not, I didn't think that the eyes were as big of a deal. The problem that I had was you look at his games, you pull up a, a cut up of just the plays that he's in the game, it's the first half, and he'll play maybe three plays in the second half. And well, by the time he gets to the end of those plays, he's not running like he was before. So, my first question is I, this is consistent, this is every game. Every game. Look, go look at the go look at the snap counts. Go look, go look and see who's carrying yep. the ball. 
every right. game. And then they got to the end of the year when they're just like, well, psh, we got Quinchon Junkins. Junkins is killing it. We're just going to give him the ball. So and he's a lose war horse, too. Yeah, yeah. And Judkins is absolutely he gets stronger throughout the game. Beast. And he's true. He's kids 18, 19 years old. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, obviously Evans isn't a leader, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a kid one jet fresh out of high school, and he's he's tenacious. You see the and way that's, he runs. And that's just, what concerns me about Evans is he's got he can do it all. But how much am I going to be able to keep him on the field before he's done for the game? I, I haven't seen him play in the second half extensively at all, ever. How? <laughs> you know, what are we doing from a, a, a you know, a, a conditioning standpoint? What are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah, absolutely correct. You know, I, I, I have no problem with that particular assertion, and it's true. And, you know, it, it really does piggyback off of the coaches know, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a reason why I, both guys with Miller and Judkins. Those are two guys that he's trying to fend off that, as discussed, are animals, are absolutely like the way they run, they attack, you know, that hole. They're coming and like Kenry Miller, he can't catch the ball very well. You know, it's entirely pass protection. I know you've seen him whiff and pass protection a few times, but man, he attacks the interior of the line and he gets after it. He's got a great stiff arm and he's a physical guy who, when it's time to salt the game down, I mean, who do you want? You want the guy who's kind of passive, you know, who's fluid, who's smooth, no. but he doesn't have the dog in him. And and just, you know, he, and, and laterally, like he doesn't, and the eyes, I want to define the eyes commentary. He doesn't display that sort of natural patience and pace that, that you have to have when it's not there immediately, when it's defined, when you see it, when it's, when, when it's opening in front of him. He's dangerous. He's explosive. All the things you see, he, I mean, you see it and it's like, this guy is, I mean, tools wise, he could be the second best back because there's no real question over Bijan, but you look at, you know, translating to the NFL level. I mean, I have an issue. Jameer Gibbs, I get it. You know, I, I feel like he has to be at least the top four back, but maybe he's 195. He's sort of slight. You look at how he runs in between the tackles, and look, it's the same type of thing. If he's got the crease, he's there, but he's not instinctive. I don't feel like he picks his way through and and sifts particularly well. Um, You know, if you're looking at a class that has a lot of good smaller backs, I feel like you got a lot of options. A guy we talked about off air, Tajay Spears. Absolutely. I mean, that's what a great option. If you don't get Gibbs, hey, and, and maybe like talking late first round, early second draft capital. Well, I'm, I'm content in seeing if he gets to the late second, you know, early third and plucking Tajay Spears and plug him right in. He's probably, you know, probably 10 pounds heavier. Devin A. Chain, man, Olympic style sprinter, Olympic level sprinter. And not just that, you watch how he runs and he has the dog in him at 185 pounds that he's billed at, mm-hmm. which I think he gets up to 195. Like, give me 195 out of A-chain, please. Because of the way he runs, this nasty. And keep in mind, he was still run- he was still sprinting. He's still running track. So he's going up, up, up in weight, holding, holding during the season, trying to maintain. And then he's going right down to, you know, run these events. And then he's back up. So I want to see what happens when he gets into an NFL weight room and they just say, all right, enough of that. Good time. You know, it was fun, but 
we're doing this and with his style, his tenacity, with his change of direction ability that he's don't see with, with just the bounce ability, just the, the absolute dime in, in the opposite direction and he's off. That specific twitch, uh, I see that out of him and I feel mm-hmm. like there's enough. And, and if you want to even go Keaton Mitchell for speed, all right, well, we can go there too if you want to go down the board. But I feel like there's enough options in that wait second, third round range where – I'd be okay with maybe passing up on Gibbs. I, I'm curious how you feel about that, John. About Gibbs? So Gibbs is my number two running back, man. I think that I know. I think he's a late first. I I I could kind of see what you're saying. Like I'm gonna pull up my report real quick. So I've got a report done. I haven't published it yet because I don't have official measurements on him. And I'm yeah, not publishing anything until I have official measurements. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like exactly. if I like if, you, if they've been through an all-star game, then great. You know, then that I can run it. But so with him, I just I think that I've worried a little bit about the pass protection, but I thought everything else was fine. Uh, I guess there is a little bit of a reading block ability. I said uh, oftentimes tried to do too much on his own, relied on his own athletic ability while being when being patient in the hole between the tackles. Gibbs is most easily contained, and it's because he kind of he's. When he tries to be patient, he's too patient. You know, it's a yeah. he doesn't see it opening, and so he yeah, kind of sits. Yeah, I, I I see that as well. It's not natural to him, but and that's not to say what he doesn't do well isn't special. Because as you know, I mean, once he gets that, and Alabama tried their best to get him on those quick extended handoffs too. They they really moved him around a lot, which is great. But then if you notice later on in the season too, like they he was getting 15 to 20 uh, more so than you see early in the year. I think he didn't even crack double digits in in the non-conference slate. So um, his usage rate definitely ticked up, but um, yeah, curious. There's no doubt that as soon as he gets it in space, as soon as he gets the ball in his hands and there's any kind of green watch out because it it can, it it can get bad quickly. But um, do you think he could carve out, I mean, I, I don't see him having a three-down roll. No, but no, because he can't pass protect. Yeah. Do you, so do you see him just? Do you think Alvin there's Kamara. a contention that? Yeah, like, he, but Alvin Kamara is two fifteen. You know, yeah, like yeah, maybe that is the difference. Yeah, maybe he's two hundred. Maybe. I mean, I expect I, I expect four four or below. I think. Do you think four threes for Gibbs? Is, yeah. No, I think he runs a four three. I think he's going to yeah. be like a four three eight. Absolutely, I think he's. I, I think that's. I mean, heck, if we see Brees Hall do it, you know, at 217, 220, you know, at fourth. No, Gibbs, Gibbs can fly. He's got speed. He's got yeah, speed. He's going to get him there. He's got that's, jets. that's the problem is getting him there. So that's my problem is just we look at him and, and I feel like we that's a very common comp. Is that is that Alvin Kamara? I'm going to get Alvin Kamara with 215. And it's it's there's a, a, a different there's a ceiling on what you can do and, and the manufactured touches you can really run with a guy that has those proportions i feel like that's my one concern and and trepidation with just just me rubber stamping gibbs at two when i see if you got a full season out of zach evans i I, he would he would have to be in that conversation for me but as you said there's, there's a lot of intangible factors that that you have to fact that you have that you can't just not look at you know, yeah. you you have to care. You have to want to play in the NFL, you know, and his yards per, yards after uh, contact have decreased each of the past three years. You know, go from four four point three, which is elite, elite down to three point five, six, 
last year. So, you know, all of it, you know, it, it, it all, it all does uh, add up to uh question marks. So. Yeah. A lot of that too was a scheme too, which, you know, you make a, a scheme change and mm-hmm. you go from a Georgia tech offense. that's strictly read option with the quarterback where you, you have a free defender that you're trying to break. And then you go to the Alabama offense, which is not read option like that, not exclusively at least. And now you don't have that one-on-one defender that you're trying to break a tackle with. You're relying on the offensive line. So that's why that would dip, you know, the scheme change, but Sure, sure. Um, I th- I don't think his overall average yards per carry really was affected. I I I don't have the stats in front of me because I'm a film guy and I really don't, sure. you know, look at um, well. Well, if you look at what Georgia Tech, right? Mm-hmm. Even when he was at Georgia Tech, you know, he had four touchdowns per season. You know, it wasn't like he was used in power situations and even there, like they protected him in that sense. And he split time with Jordan Mason. Yeah. Who that, is a now, frankly, is a pretty, you know, an underrated guy. I think, did he even get drafted with UDFA sixth, seventh round? No, no, he's, he ended up on the Ravens. Was it the Ravens or the Raiders? No, uh, uh, 49ers now, I believe. Jordan okay. Or he was for a little while. But Jordan Mason, you know, was, was a, a good, solid back. But we're not talking, you know, second best running back in the class, you know, that he's coming out of here. And he was able to relegate Gibbs to a secondary role in a team that was sorely lacking for playmakers, which, in Gibbs' defense, Jeff Collins was now jettisoned to the dustbin of coaches, along with it, with his overmatched offensive coordinator, Chip Long, uh, four games in the season. So it, it tells you about the, the caliber of coaching he was getting. But I mean, that's a concern that he's not being able to do more at – Georgia Tech when they they're starved for somebody like he can't get on the field more he can't go and be split out you can't just somebody yeah, uh, creative I see at a P five level can't find a way to get on the ball more see I wonder I do wonder if coaching had a lot more to do with that because Collins was there were problems terrible, terrible. problems okay yes. problems with problems with decisions I mean you look at a guy like Jalen Camp who was there. Jalen mm-hmm. Camp tested as like the 27th best overall wide receiver RAS score of all time. And he did nothing on that offense. Explain that to me like I'm five. You know what I'm saying? Uh, <laughs> absolutely. I don't know. In fact, I'll I'll use another wide receiver comp that's, that's awesome is uh Nate McCollum, who just transferred to UNC. I don't know if you've seen any of him. Yeah, I've seen I'm tracking him. Yeah, he's oh I love what I've I've what he hasn't gotten the kind of volume you want to see, you know, because again, the staff, but I cannot wait to see what he does in the Josh Downs role at USC. Drake may delivering strikes to him in stride. I feel like he's got that, that twitch ability that we see out of downs. Mm-hmm. Obviously downs is elite when it comes to his manipulation in, um, you know, the middle of the field and all that. But I, I see that sort of twitch with him and I love McCollum. And again, that's another guy. So, that's totally fair. That's a very fair point. I don't want to. And, and yeah, the other thing, the other thing that. to point out about Gibbs there too, which we've told the guys so far off is Zach Evans. It's sorry, sorry guys. It's okay. <laughs> but like, like so the thing, the other thing too about Gibbs, right? With the uh, the wide receiver here, ditch this. I don't need that. Ditch that. Sorry, no video. You can't see what I'm doing. So, right. so um, no. 
the thing that the other thing to point out about kids is I watched him as a freshman a lot. I spent a lot of time watching him as a freshman. I spent a lot of time watching him as a uh, sophomore as well. And because when he came out, you had that quarterback, Jeff Sims. He looked like he was going to be a stud. And that freshman year, it was just raw RG3 is what Jeff Sims looked like. And I was so excited about that combo because they were dangerous together. You don't see it. And as soon as he went to Alabama, I knew he, oh, that's, that's a first, second round pick, you know, like I knew he's going there, you know, because I thought that he was going to hit that at Georgia tech. And I just think that he was mismanaged. I think that, um, the the whole staff with their personnel decisions and everything that they wanted to do that entire time there was just a mess. Um, everything about it, the decision making, you can go to clock management, you can point at everything as a problem at Georgia Tech. So I don't hold that against him. Like uh, I I just don't. I don't think that's a problem. I think that he's going to be a very athletic guy, like you said. The run power I don't think is exactly there. He doesn't read. He's not a natural block. Like he doesn't naturally see blocks and and read them and get wait for holes to open, but as an athlete and as a wide receiver, I can do anything with this guy and I'm okay with that. Absolutely. Very good point. And uh, yeah, I appreciate the tangent on Gibbs. (laughs) (laughs) I guess getting back to Evans, you know, speaking of the explosiveness, it's like, yeah, that's, you you see Gibbs's elite, elite speed, you know, four, three, legit four, three speed and, um, and just ability to hit those home runs. But like, Hey, Evans can do it too. Uh, you look at the percentage, you know, a, a great stat that you look at with him. He led the power five in percentage of 10 plus yard runs uh, over the last two years, right? 22% of his rushes, even though, like we said, he's not on the field. He only had 144 rushes uh, this past season, 92 the season before. 22% of them went for 10 yards or more. 35% went for a touch for a first down, excuse me. Yeah, so, you know, so the the real question with the projection is how much does a limited role, you know, because you you're not going to be able to play him three down. Right. He doesn't have doesn't appear to have the stamina, the ability. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's you know I can't speculate on all that effect like effectively, but I don't know what if it he is could, with him. If he just could, you know, like I think yeah, no, if he could, but him. if he can't, so he can't. Ugh. How how much does that hurt his projection? You know what I'm saying? Like, where is he going to go in the draft? It does because in the NFL, you got to want it. You know, how, how many passive NFL players do you see, you know, that, that are just out there? I'm going to glide through this one and, and you know. Well, look what happened when Zeke tried to pull that off. He just kind of tried to glide there for a couple of years after he got paid. Uh, that's yeah. cowboy fans are going to be mad at me for saying that, but it's just facts. Okay. Everybody. And Zeke knows was it. a good, Zeke was a very good athlete, but he wasn't Saquon Barkley. You know, I, I think that Zach Evans is, I think he, like athletic, athletic, like he could, if he wants it, I, I think there's a season in him. I think we'll see him care, you know, like we'll see him actually do it. Because now the chips are down. Like maybe when his contract at that four-year mark, that three-year mark. <laughs> yeah, when his contract's on the line. <laughs> when he's gonna get picked up. Like, you know, he goes and he'll show the burst the first two there. I think, you know, year three. What is year three motivated Zach Evans? And I think that's you know what I'm trying to look at uh graciously when I'm projecting him is that is that explosiveness, is that ability to consistently, I mean, better than anybody in the power five, hit. And this is, you know, two years, 
one of it's in the SEC, is to hit those big runs and to to be that consistent difference maker, you know, when it comes to just getting chunks down the field. Yeah. I, I think that season's in him. I think it's there. But I don't blame the skepticism, and I can see why he's he's could slip out of day two. I don't think he should. Because on talent, he be talent wise, he's a second round pick. Yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. if you're grading strict talent and what he can do and what is you know everything that he's he's a second round pick. Yeah, I mean I straight up. I think that's very. Fair. I think I think and you could even you could make the, the argument for him to slide into the end of the first round if you really liked him and you really thought that you could get uh that the fifth year option would help you, which you know a fifth year option for a running back five years from now might be like seven million, <laughs> you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> so. Exactly. So, like, that kind of – I can see all of that. Now, the problem is I just don't know if I'm getting that. So, that really pushes his projection back to me. Like, the grade, mm-hmm. I'm okay taking him in the second round. I'm okay with that, right? If I if I don't have a pressing need or if I've got an, a, an opportunity to get somebody that I really need to get my hands on, I'm okay with taking him in the second round, right? Yeah, full tilt Zach Evans, second round – go but i think my projection because there's a Mm -hmm. difference between my grade and my projection grade is where i think he's his talent level is projection is where i think he's going to go i don't think you take him before day three uh you don't think he slides into the compensatory picks i don't think they do no oh gosh because because look look at all the running backs in this class yeah look at them all absolutely that like you were talking about off that second class right after Gibbs and you get into there. And that's why we want to talk about Evans is there's a whole group that you can make you a get case past Bijan and Jameer. You've got Zach Charbonnet, Kenny McIntosh, Sean Tucker, Mo Ibrahim, A-Chain, as you mentioned. I mean, Eric Gray. Yep. People don't know about this guy yet, but Tion Evans. Tyon Evans is is a team. I I always call him Tyon. Might be Tyon. I don't know. It's but Evans. He's a Tennessee. Yeah, Tyon, Juco, Tennessee to Louisville. To Louisville. Tennessee yep. to Louisville. Yeah, that's a legit guy. So I mean, like I don't think Sir Roderick, Sir Roderick Thompson is that legit. But you know, Tajay, Tajay. I mean, NFLPA bowler. Yes, these are Sir all well, Thick, well, thickly. Yeah, built. yeah. Sir Roderick came to the senior too. He came as a late after yeah. Roshan hurt his ankle. Got added. Nice, so, nice little spot. But that's my point. Those are all running backs that are not going to go in the first round that you get to pick from in the second and the third. And I don't think there's going to be, I think that's too many, right? I think that's, that's too many. That's going to get, get, people are going to get pushed. And I think Evans gets pushed just because, well, how many snaps is he going to be able to play a game? Sure. It's very fair. And how, how patient are you willing to be? Until he gets to where that year, like you said, year three, when he's fully developed, exactly. ready to go. And does yep. he get there? Yep. As opposed to, like you said, these other guys, you know, that you can say, all right, I can I can put Eric Gray in if if something happens here and know that this kid has done it at Tennessee and at Oklahoma. And, and, and I didn't uh, even mention Dwayne McBride. You know, like. Of course, the, the leading rusher in the entire FBS. I didn't mention Chris Rodriguez. You know, like these are other guys that are sitting there, and you're just like, "Can we talk about Chris Rodriguez for a moment?" 
Well, yeah, we we're can, off on tangents. We can, so we can like give, we're him, we can give it one moment, then we got to get to Hazelwood. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Chris Rodriguez. Uh, Chris Rodriguez is one of my favorite sleeper running backs of this class. Yeah. And I know. I know why. Uh, you look at, like, the grades that you get from Zerline and I'm sure, like, the, the big guys, and I get it. But, man, you look at what that Kentucky offense was in weeks one through four when he wasn't around. Like, it was bad enough already. I mean, I don't think anybody who has taken a look at a draft film over the course of these last three months that has looked at the Kentucky offensive line is impressed with it. No. That being said, the first four weeks were special bad in terms of their rushing production. They couldn't do anything, anything on the ground. They couldn't, they could not simply mount any form of, of an attack. And, 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 and just, you know, to remind people who Kentucky was playing. Oh, yeah, exactly. Run, weeks. Play the hits on this. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. I'm pulling. I know, I know one of the teams that they played was Miami, Ohio. I know that was one of yeah, them. I got to pull uh, up the comments. So we'll go. Schedule. Here it is. Miami, Ohio opened on September 3rd. Then they went to Florida. Fair at Florida. Man, it stinks yep. not having a Rigas for that. Then Youngstown State. <laughs> like going down right. a level. Yep. All right. Northern Illinois. And then you and I, excuse me, <laughs> Northern Illinois University. Wow. And so, okay, you can make the argument say that Florida <laughs> had a really solid run defense. You, know, you can make that argument. But the other three teams that we just listed, like there's players, I I like James Esther at Northern Illinois. I'm telling you right now, we're going to be talking about him next year. I'm just telling you right now. We're going to be talking about James Esther in the Mac. Look at Jose That's Ramirez. A, yeah, look at Ho- Jose, Carl Brooks, love Thomas and Kuhn. Carl Brooks, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Carl Brooks. You excellent. I loved what I saw from Carl Brooks. In the uh, in the postseason, yeah, yeah, the Senior Bowl was incredible. But yep. that's my point is that Northern Illinois has a player, but it's one player. It's not four. <laughs> it's a guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> James Esther. Uh, this is Kentucky. I love, I love James Esther, but he was not single handedly blowing up to Kentucky's run game. He was not. No, no. So my point. So point is, these are teams that you should be able to run on Youngstown State. You should be able to run. On Northern Illinois, you should be able to run on Miami, Ohio. These are you are an SEC school. Act like it. Yes, and they simply could not impose their will on three. But my problem with Rodriguez supposed. is he lacks a lot of top end speed. Absolutely, and that's it. That's it. What's it, you know? Here comes the four six five Isaiah Spiller style. You know, which exactly. if you're not under that four six, it, it's tough. Like I see, in terms of the way. He, I mean, he's tough, and he's he's that two twenty four. He's listed at. I'm not sure we checked in at the Senior Bowl. You forgive me, like two twenty ish. Got that right here. But uh, yeah, five eleven, two twenty, two twenty five, and he plays with good leverage. Attacks the edges of defenders. He's always going through, always going forward. But when he breaks through the level, and he's good at it, like he, I like his vision. Like the intangibles are really good, and he plays strong. You know, but uh, you're right. I mean, that top end speed. And it's kind of what how why Charbonnet gets gets dinged, even though I mean I I love Charbonnet. Charbonnet's gonna run a four five five. Dude, I I think he belongs, and it's it, I think it's this, exactly. I think he's under four six, and then it's a situation like Brian Robinson, where nobody expected a four five two coming out of him. You know. And well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that. I'm gonna tell you right now about Zach, and his medicals are gonna be bad. Mm, I've already heard that they go back to high school, they're bad. That's going to hurt him. 
interesting and it will and oh geez that's too bad god because i love watching them yeah no i love them too i love them too but i i had a couple agents both tell me the same thing like his medicals are bad well interesting i appreciate that Mm -hmm. thank you for the tangent so moving on to our second guy here because we got about like we got like 15 minutes like we've been (laughs) yeah jadon hazelwood wide receiver out of arkansas transfer from Oklahoma. So that's why I had to preface this and said that we somehow picked two guys to talk about that were big 12 transfers to the sec while NBC, your employer is pulling the big 10 contract. So great job, Frodo. You did an awesome job picking the guys. That's what I'm talking and, about. And, right. And really good job. And helping us to plug NBC. <laughs> naturally. marketing at its finest. Right. Good job. And we're plugging <laughs> them. So they, I, I want, I want all good things. I want all good fav- favors. Uh, for doing this, but that's beside the point. Sorry. So getting to it about Jadon, tell me you went, you saw him at the shrine bowl. I wasn't at the shrine bowl. I was at the senior. You saw him down there in, in Vegas. Talk, talk to me about the player that he is and what, what people are getting with him. Well, first off, it, when you, you start with Jaden Hazel, Jadon Hazelwood, you first and foremost, he is one of the, I believe according to 247 sports, since in the 247 sports era, since they started grading uh, recruits out of high school, I believe he was the 17th all-time rated wide receiver coming out of high school from 247. So we're talking about a absolutely tippity-top premium, premium recruit in, in a similar vein to, to the way Evans was, um, but you know, even similarly. Very, very, very talented kids coming to high school with with big expectations. And, you know, you see him. I was there at the Shrine Bowl and got to interview him, like, pretty extensively. I had, like, a 15-minute interview with him and, uh, you know, standing there. And the kid, he's six, a legit 6'3", you know, plus, where he's weighing in. And he's got that 200 to 210 range where you want, BMI-wise, your wide receivers to be. And you see him on the field, and uh, you're playing against – you know, again, he was in the Big 12, which you can knock the Big 12 if you like, but he's there with Oklahoma and, and doing his thing. But, yep. Um, yep. you know, tears, in, tears a knee, does a knee early on in his career. Uh, obviously, he hampers his progress. And, you know, he it takes a little while to come in. And when I talked to him about that at the Shrine Bowl, he specifically said how um, he was, you know, when you're an athlete, you, you feel like you're invincible. And he was the tippity tippity top, top of the food chain. He's a lion out there in the Serengeti. You know, he's he's the top tippity top, and he w- could do anything he wanted in high school. Comes out, and he's expecting that greatness. He, he you know he's prepared. He's he's dialed in, and he, it was it was getting to be his chance. It was getting to be his time. You know, he was moving into um, you know prominent role, and he tears his name. <clears throat> yeah. Said mentally, that was one of the darkest parts of his life. Said he had a hard time, like one talked to a sports psychologist while he was going through all that and how, you know, it really, he had to cope with it. And that, um, you know, he comes back and does all right, you know, did, gets, gets his feedback underneath him at Oklahoma. But then when Lincoln Riley goes, accepts the job at USC yep. uh, before this past season, well, in comes, you know, a completely different coaching staff who has no particular allegiance to Hazelwood, you know, himself. 
and it's a common tale in the comment the college scene. That's that's nothing that's personal. It's just hey, this, just how we, we have our yeah. If you anybody, I'm sure most of us listened to Dion Sanders when he gave his speech to Colorado when he was coming in just a couple months ago, where he said he's bringing his own baggage and it's Louie, you know, and that's that's the the cold hard reality of collegiate athletics is when a new regime comes in, they'll sit you down and say, look, you can stick around, but you're not going to play and we're just going to make you get in at 5 a.m. and do and run until you transfer. And and that's how it is. You know, it's, it's how it goes in a lot of places. I'm not saying that's what happened with him, but you know, it just, when a new regime comes in, they have no allegiance. And he just looked at the writing on the wall and said, all right, well, you know, I have an opportunity over here to go to the sec and prove himself. You know, he felt like he was healthy off of that injury yep. and he went out and to what he was trying to do. He did. You know, is Jaden Hayes, Jadon Hazelwood going to be a take the top off of the defense, one on one, you know, just absolute monster on that boundary and doing whatever he wants and manhandling? You know, he's not going to be the burner down the field that Jalen Hyatt will be from this class, right? Who's just toasting people downfield, you know, for Tennessee. Like, he's not most notably DeMarco Hellams. DeMarco Helms, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I had to do Boy, it. did DeMarco Helms take a I had, to, I had to say it. I had to. Yeah, yeah we watched it. But even though Jalen Hyland's won, he's not running a full – he's not running the full nine, you know, uh, on the road tree. But yeah. what he's doing, he's doing. You know, so – but that on – conversely, you know, that's one style of receiver, you know, which okay. is just, hey, hey speed is going to play. He, he can do that. Uh, on the other side of things is Jadon Hazelwood, who – I feel like proved that from that short to intermediate range, very, very crafty, manipulating defenders, showing uh, that he has the ability to run a crisp route, yep. come back to the ball and and attack it as opposed to wait waiting for it to come to him, uh, making high degree of difficulty catches on the sidelines that you know require serious body control, and that's something you see on tape too, uh, both at Oklahoma and at Arkansas. Um, and just he's out there at the shrine again, and he's playing against some top corners. And you saw him going against some of the best guys that were out there that had some of the best weeks, and he was doing what he wanted. So mm-hmm. I just thought, in terms of what that is that, you know, short to intermediate, running drags, running outs, you know, hitches, um, you know, double moves, you can, you can do a lot of chain routes with him that. I feel like um, can be very useful in an NFL offense. Is yeah. he the, the prototype number one? You know, John, no. Um, but I do feel like an early day two, fourth, fifth round grade is achievable and, and, and realistic for what I've seen from him in person and, and on tape was able to do in the SEC. Yeah. That's what I got as a fourth and a fifth on, you know, that, that sort of range. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of positives to his game. That's the first thing I do want to say. I thought that his specifically thought he had decent footwork. He's got a really good route tree because combined with Lincoln Riley's offense and Sam, what Sam Pittman was asking him to do, which was some oh, of the totally. stuff that Traylon Burks did last year in that offense, there was some good stuff there. I thought he had a really good, really good. He has good hands. Absolutely. It was, um, it was that similar split. It was like a 70-30 uh, inside-outside split, whereas exactly. he'd been just outside the whole time at OU. 
Yeah, and I thought that his acceleration and his explosiveness is good. His top end speed isn't great. No, nope, but but his his ability to get to top speed to what where his top speed is it's good, and he's relatively explosive. So I like that stuff too. Now, not a run blocker, not really a deep threat. I don't see him physically being able to to win contested catches down the field. I don't see him separating. So I think fourth, fifth round makes a lot of sense. I think that you're taking him to be a Z and you're trying to develop him uh, basically in the, the hopes that he can, you know, get better at the top of his routes and, and really become crisp. And at that point you might be able to play him at a, as a, as an X as a true X. So. Yeah, definitely. That would be, you know, shoot the moon type of scenario, but yeah. um you know, in terms of being able to to fill a Z role, I, I do think that there's a path. And at a, a pretty reasonable draft investment, like we're talking about, uh, in that, you know, early day three, four, five round range, uh, I, I think that he could end up being a, a pretty nice contributor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I to, to what you're saying, um, just a, a couple of stats, which, you know, they're always fun. College guy. The, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing is the stats that you bring up are, you know, most of the time relevant. And when, they're not. I try to do my best. Yeah. When they're not, I'll tell you. You know what Thank I'm saying? You, sir. Like I think I just um, did that to you with Gibbs and said, "Well, that's why his." Yes, you did. Hey, after I, contact I, went down. I respect this. None but love between us, my man. Exactly. So, uh, with Hazelwood to kind of support, and this supports both of our points. Uh, in terms of he had 92 receptions over the past two seasons. Just eight of those 92 receptions went for 20 more or more yards. Yes. And that's fifth least among power five receivers uh, with, you know, the, the X amount of reception, so to speak. That's a, I mean, that's sort of a telling stat about his role and what he was asked to do and what he, you know, can do and what his limitations should be viewed in the, at the next level. Um, That being said, what he is good at, and this is something I didn't mention, uh, red zone. He's a legit, like is he downfield? Is he good at running at the top of the, winning, you know, 30, 40? No. But he is pretty good in close quarters from what I've seen. I think this does back it up. Eight touchdown passes in the red zone over the last few years. That's tied for fourth most among power five receivers in that time frame. And again, he wasn't catching a ton of passes. It wasn't like he had a ton of volume. Right. Um, so, you know, that's something where uh, the, the other guys, it's a, it's a who's who. Xavier if, Worthy, Jordan if Addison, I had to, Perry. If I had to put a – I was trying to think of a comp for him. And because the fit is going to be if you can go heavy play action, a heavy play one. action I scheme, got one for you. I'm, I'm curious where you're going because I got one for you. 12-yard in, I mean, that's where he's going to make his living. It was a 12-yard in, in cut. You know, whether you're running a, a straight 90 degree or whether you're flattening it, it doesn't matter. Um, that's where he's going to make his living is right over the middle, crossing the linebacker's nose as the linebacker gets too much depth or comes up too far cheating up on the play action, which is why I specifically said that. And so it kind of reminds me a little bit of a Robert Woods, but not as fast. Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah. not as slick. Right. I see what you mean. Like Woods could stretch the field, like you're saying, when he needed to, and especially like when you catch it in stride. That was when he was really smooth, you know. Right. Could, and I think that there's that. similarities where Hazelwood, when he catches it in stride, he can make plays. 
but he's not nearly the athlete that Woods was. So, no, good, good, you know, uh, best case scenario comp in Jaden Hazelwood while still, you know. Yeah, so uh, we'll say poor. We'll say Robert poor man's Robert light. Woods. Yeah, Robert Woods light. We won't say poor man's. We'll say Robert Woods light. Okay, as you want to go. I see a little bit of uh of Josh Reynolds in the way that oh, he, he that does his his goal line work because I, I love I used see, to love we're on the work. we're on the same wavelength here. Yes, we're oh, talking yeah. about twelve yard ins across the mm-hmm. middle of the field. That type of receiver, the big body, yep. a specific niche. About. Exactly. Yeah. This is what he does. He's a, he's a technician. He, play his role and i think that you could see him hang around the nfl uh in that role is what i'm saying similar to that's to to reynolds so that's um you know robert woods light josh reynolds i i think those are a couple of pretty fair comps you know for uh from cj don hazelwood so so remind everybody uh where you can find all your stuff and where people can follow you eric let's go Absolutely. Uh, you can get me at NBC Sports, of course. Uh, I will be heading to the Combine with my friend here, John Vogel. I'm sure we'll be hanging out uh, at, extensively during the course wait, wait. of that. <laughs> I have to wait. I have to make that joke after. Never mind. I can't say that while we're recording. But uh-huh. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> Fair enough. We will... Uh, uh, you know, have have plenty of time to hang out. But uh, so I will definitely be broadcasting from understand from the NBC desk there after Chris Sims and Mike Flurio go on with Connor Rogers. So we'll be uh, recapping some of the, the testing, some of the interviews, all the fun stuff that we all love uh, from there. Be on the lookout as well as I'm sure the accompanying columns where uh, I am releasing my quarterback, running back and wide receiver. Uh, rankings pre-combine, you know, John, I know that John, we, everybody likes to get the testing numbers. It really does help, help, uh, you know, give us an idea, but I like to do like a volume one before the combine and then kind of, you know, hold myself to it and like, kind of, you know, I I don't want to rely on that. I want to do what I can to, to see what I've seen during the season. Cause especially when it comes to skill position guys, I've been watching these guys all season long. I've been doing the props. I've been doing, you know, everything uh Debbie DFS all that related so um I, I want to get my my thoughts flushed out a little bit ahead of time so be on the lookout for that and and it's great work that you do over there too because you know everybody knows about NBC sports and everybody knows that that's a big brand and you know you've had the, the accuracy with the props that you've hit and now that you're getting into my space you know, oh. and, and doing that stuff now too. I, <laughs> hey, I, I got no another doubt. respect. You know hey, that you'll you'll have no doubts that you'll uh, you'll succeed and you'll kill it. You just you know you're gonna you're gonna keep getting better with every year, and you'll because I I've I've gone through this now too, right? Where it's you know uh, you start to get more comps, you start to see things differently, you start to learn more. You're talking to more people, you're talking to more coaches, and you're picking up on different things, and then and then you're seeing different things over and over again. So. I mean, you'll, it'll, it'll all start to click, you know, and, and it won't be just, you won't, you'll be on top of the defense and you'll be on top of all that stuff here in the, for no time. So. I appreciate it, John. Uh, obviously I enjoy all of it. Feel so lucky to get to do what we do and uh, look forward to seeing you in a week. Yes, sir. Of course.